Welcome to Grace Story Podcast. We're here to connect you with education, resources, and community that equip you for the journey of restoration. My name's Nate Davison, and I am your host here at Grace Story Podcast. Thank you for joining us on this episode, this one where we're going to be looking at some highlights from Conference 2022. Now, up until this year, when I mention a conference, we're all able to look back and say exactly which one, because there's only been one every year uh, since we started this, what was it, 2019? Uh, And they're all centered around women. Well, this year, 2023, uh, we are having our first men's conference. It's coming up in May, first weekend of May. Uh, So if you want to know more about that, head on over to GreatStoryMinistries.com and click on the men's conference and there will be all sorts of information for you. Now, on this episode, what we want to do is, uh, as we have in years past, go back to conference 2022 and give you a taste of what the content was like uh, by showing you some of the speakers and letting you listen in on just a snippet. Uh, Now, for the people that were there, those that attended the conference, they will be, and you're you're listening in, you know what I'm talking about, uh, here coming up on February 1st of 2023. You will have full access, if you were a ticket holder for the 2022 conference, full access to the archives uh, for that uh, that conference. You'll be able to listen to it all over again, share it with your friends uh, if they want to come over and have a, uh, a watch party or whatever, whatever you have planned. Uh, February 1st is when that's going to come out, so make sure that you are checking your email. Make sure we're, uh, you're, you, we have your email updated uh, and you're checking your junk mail as well. Uh, so... For our first part of this episode, we want to jump into the uh, the conference session with Amy Lancaster. Amy and her husband David uh, work with We Will Go Ministries down in Jackson, Mississippi, and they came all the way from Mississippi up to Cincinnati to join in on Grace Story Conference. Uh, Amy shares a little bit about her personal life, her story, how she came to Christ, and of course their ministry, um, and does it in such an impactful way. Uh, you're not going to want to miss it. Uh, now, the next 15 minutes of of hers is just a snippet of what she shared overall. So if you want to see the whole thing, you got to come to conference or uh, go ahead and find that friend that went to conference this last year and plan a watch party in February. All right, let's go to Amy's session uh, from conference 2022 right now. So growing up, um, I've always been the one that really didn't fit too great with my sisters. That's okay. I'm, I'm okay with it now. Um, I would climb up in, the, in a tree in the pasture. I called it a tree house. It really wasn't a tree house. It was just some boards over some limbs above the cows. But I would write to God, and I would, didn't have a journal. I would just take paper and fold it over and staple it, and I would write to God. And what I've known now is that the Lord was talking to me, and I was writing what he was talking to me. You know, he says... My sheep know my voice. They won't listen to another one. This whole weekend may be just for you to learn to hear God's voice. You may not have ever heard his voice at all in your life. It's worth all of it. It's worth us getting here at 1 o'clock in the morning last night. It's worth every bit of it. If one person hears the voice of the Lord. Do you understand how amazing that is? And as a girl, how God would speak to me. And I'd write it down and I'd weep in the presence of God. And didn't understand it, didn't have anybody disciple me, mentor me, shepherd me, anything. Didn't know anything about ministry or anything, nothing. And I got to high school and I did a stupid thing. Anybody ever done anything stupid? Just me. 
Okay, the three women are honest. Everybody else is liars. We'll pray about lying, Amber, at some point in this meeting. Okay. I made a decision, and we are all making decisions right now today. We are making decisions all the time. And I made a very clear decision. Either I'm going to continue to follow the Lord on this straight, narrow way. Jesus said it was a straight, narrow, difficult way. Um, or I'm going to be popular and amazing and date the boys and be cool on the wide way. You can't have it both ways. The devil lies and tells us that we can, but you can't. And I made a stupid decision, and I decided, God, leave me alone. I'm going that way. And I did. And I almost killed my, it almost killed me. I went to Mississippi State University. That's where my, my sister was. I decided I wanted to go out with guys. I left completely turned my back on God. I decided I wanted to be popular and uh, decided I wanted to be in a stupid sorority. And so I did that and wanted to be beautiful and all the things. I was voted most popular and most likely and all the stupid stuff. And I went to Mississippi State University and um, I got invited to a party by Mr. Wonderful. He had a white Porsche. I'd never seen a white Porsche. I drove an $800 car that I worked at a dentist office, taking out the trash and scrubbing bloody instruments. And I saved my pennies and bought an $800 car. And I got asked to this party with Mr. Wonderful in the white Porsche. And I scramped together my little pennies and I went to Cato and I bought me a little cute outfit that was cheap. And I went to this party with Mr. Wonderful and Mr. Wonderful gave me a styrofoam cup that I thought was lemonade and it wasn't. I never had a drink of alcohol in my life, nobody in my family drinks. Mr. Wonderful proceeded to get, give me a couple of more glasses of that and take me back to his apartment and rape me. And I never told a soul until after I married David Lancaster in 1992. I blamed who? Come on, y'all wake up. Who did I blame? Most people blame themselves, don't we? I was embarrassed. I was ashamed. I never went to the police. I never went to my... I was living with my sister and didn't tell her. That started a horrible spiral. Many people ask me now, how do you minister to prostitutes and how do you minister to all those people? How do you do that? And I'm like, one of my neighbors, her name's Patsy, and she sells herself every day for $7 right near my house. And people say to me, how do you... I wouldn't know what to... And I'm like, I am Patsy. Patsy's just not born again yet. Everybody say yet. You have people in your life that aren't born again yet? Yet. Everybody say yet. I understand that I'm a saved jar of clay. I began to spiral and I got accepted to dental school. My whole degree is in dentistry. We don't make any sense. We're not professional anything. People are like, oh, what kind of degree do y'all have in urban ministry? I'm like, my degree's in teeth. David's degree is in engineering. So we're not Bible scholars or theologians. You may be. You probably can help us. Hallelujah. We need a lot of help. Okay? I got to the end of my rope. Anybody, anybody ever got to the end of your rope? You don't have to. go. You can repent today. Hallelujah. You don't have to keep going in the hole. But I got suicidal and I got anorexic and bulimic. And I actually believe there was no hope. I really did. My last um, year of dental school, I was living in this dormitory. They've torn it down now. And I was at the very top floor. I was a senior. And I didn't want to live anymore. I had tried books. I had tried therapy. I had tried 
getting better. I had tried Nutrisystem. I had tried every weight loss thing known to man, Weight Watchers, every kind of pill. You name it. Anybody ever tried to fix yourself? How'd that go? How long did you If you're really tough, you might do two weeks or a month. If you're really tough. I'm pretty tough. Doesn't work, does it? Anybody? So I got to the end of the end, and it was the middle of the night, and I climbed out the window. And I didn't write a note. I didn't call anybody. Um, my plan was to jump out that window and kill myself, and I knew I would die, and I was convinced I would go to hell, and I didn't care because I just wanted the pain to stop. So I climbed out the window, and to this day, I have no explanation whatsoever except the grace and mercy of Almighty God. There's no explanation. As I'm jumping, one thing came out of me. Just one word came out of me from deep in here. I hadn't prayed in years, hadn't gone to church in years. It was over with. I had turned my back on him, and I was positive he was done with me. Y'all hear me? And out of my mouth... All that came out of me was Jesus. Just that word. And I rocked back. I'm hanging out of a building in the middle of the night. And the next thing that came out of me, I have no explanation except the mercy of Jesus, is I said, Jesus, I don't believe you'd take me back. And I didn't. But I said, if you would, I'd give you my whole life. And I fully expected to feel his foot in my back. Because I was screwed up. Nobody would want me to. It was all over with. I was used up in every way I felt at the ripe old age of 21 years old. And I felt, you can believe me or not, I don't care. I love you. Jesus Christ's arms around me and he pulled me back in that window. He took me back in a way I can't explain. He took away the self-hatred. He took away suicide, eating disorders. I thought that was the end of it. He completely healed me. You may have been completely healed like the woman bleeding, like she got up whole. At that point, I just wanted to go do anything for him. I'm like, whoo, I'm still that way. Lord, what do you want me to do? Live in China, I'll do that. Climb a mountain, I'll do that. Wherever you want me to do, praise God. I'm in Ohio. Glory to God. I cannot believe he took me back. Woo, I can't believe it. I wasn't interested in getting married. I hadn't met Mr. Wonderful of All Wonderful over here. I wasn't interested. Some of y'all still praying for a husband. I'll pray with you. I wasn't praying for one. He took me back. And funny thing, David grew up Assembly of God. I grew up Methodist, and we met in a Southern Baptist church. God's hilarious. Anybody understand how funny God is? I don't know. Y'all figure him out. Let me know. Okay, just let me know. And I met him at this... Um, group of young adults. We were going to a, we call it the meat market, but um, we were going to a singles Bible study. And um, you got to have some fun. Y'all, you got to laugh at our, we're, we're funny. Yes, are we funny people or not? We're just funny. Church is a great place to meet a spouse, usually. And in this case, it worked really well. And so I wasn't looking for one. And God, people ask me all the time because have you ever heard God audibly speak? And I said, yes, when I was riding in my little Hyundai with that little thing over there. And God audibly said, this is your husband. I almost wrecked the car. <laughs> I didn't want to get married. I wasn't interested in that. My parents didn't get along. They still don't like each other. They've been married 57 years. Not a joke. It's horrible. And God said, 
That's your husband. Back to those choices, right? You can choose yes, God, or didn't have any idea we were going to be in ministry together. Didn't have any idea that God was going to give us three children. I shouldn't be able to have any children because of all the different things that happened to me with anorexia and the rape and stuff. There's no reason why I should have three beautiful children. There's no reason except the mercy and grace of God. We weren't planning on moving into downtown Jackson. Our whole marriage from the very beginning is this, Isaiah 6. Lord, I'll do it. We'll go. Yes, we'll go. Yes, hallelujah. We thought that would be overseas, so it started when our kids were tiny babies, and we thought, like some of y'all thought, missions is over there because everybody's lost over there. So we started taking people on trips to really hard places. We like hard places. You know why I like the dark? Because the light of Christ shines really, really, really bright. If I gave all y'all a flashlight and a candle, you would say, blow the candle out, save your battery for when you're in the dark. Christians should not be inside comparing candles all the time. We're supposed to be taking the... Why? Because scripturally and physically and spiritually, in every way, the darkness has to flee. It has to move. So we thought that would be overseas in a Muslim nation. We first started going to Muslim nations when our kids were little babies. We've been all over the planet. And everywhere we'd go to Beirut, we'd be in China, we'd be in Africa. We'd be like, we'll do this. Yes, God. Every time God would say, go back to America. I don't want to be in America. Everybody where I live thinks they were born saved. They know everything. How do you reach people that don't think they need anything? It's my frustration. I still need prayer, so pray for me, okay? I do. I still need prayer. This is what God spoke to us. We had an invitation to go to Africa, and God said no. This is really important this weekend. God's no is just as important as his yes, because he's a good father. Any of y'all, mom, who's a parent in here? You going to let your kids play in the middle of the road, or are you going to say no? That doesn't mean that you're mean. It means you're trying to save their crazy life because you love them. And God loves us, and he says no because he loves you. And then he says yes, and you go, oh, I don't want to do that. My answer is yes. He spoke to us and said, Jackson, Mississippi, where the crime is the worst in the country. We go back and forth to St. Louis, Missouri on who's is the worst per capita. Y'all probably have seen us on the news lately with no decent water that's running, and sometimes the water doesn't run, and when it does run, it's brown, and all that, and the corruption, and the infrastructure, and the politics, Lord have mercy, and the racism. And God said to us, Jackson is your Jerusalem. And he said to us, you can't just love the ends of the earth. Jackson is your Jerusalem, and it's on fire and the gates are torn down, and the children are running the streets. And God said to us, my people don't care one thing about him. And I know wherever you guys live, there are places like where I live. I live on the corner of Cohe and Blair in what used to be the crack cocaine house for the whole city. It's a blast. I love it. Y'all change your faces. Your faces look real crazy right now. Okay, you look crazy. Stop it. If we don't go into the dark, who's going to? Oh, but something bad could happen. Yes, but great things happen all the time. People get saved and healed and delivered, and we grow food for people that are hungry because we grew up farming. God don't waste nothing. Hello? Hello? Oh, but I don't want to do that. Why not? Well, I don't know. It's all black people, and they're scary. 
willing to go to China. We were willing to go to Africa. We were willing to go. I'm just telling you my story, okay? You may not struggle at all. Y'all can pray for me later in a minute, okay? I'm serious. We just moved our little kids, our little family, on the wor- one of the worst streets with all the craziness. And then God said, I want you to take in interns, and I want you to start restoring all these crack houses. And then God said, I want you to buy this YMCA. And Lord. And then I want you to have a coffee shop. And then I want you to give jobs to people. And then I want you to start teaching kids how to read the Bible because we live in a, the most illiterate state in America. Kids are years behind in school. Our school system has... 25,000 students in a failing school. No water fountains at work. Books that are five years behind. Oh my gosh, somebody should do something. Repeat after me. I am somebody. That was really pitiful. Y'all got to wake up. I am somebody. Oh, but that's hard. It's wonderfully hard. It's wonderfully hard. Do you hear me? People say dumb things. We have thousands of visitors that come. Y'all can come. Thousands of volunteers that come. You, you have a personal invitation from Amy. Please come. Please come. And they'll say, well, I'm sure bad things, they never happen because y'all, y'all pray Psalm 91. I said, have you read the Bible? Did you read what I just read out of Isaiah? Did you read it? Oh, bad things happen? Yes. And Jesus is still king. And we get to share the gospel and feed thousands and thousands of people. Where does that come from? He helps us. God actually sends help. He sends interns and he sends partners and he sends sororities. Isn't that funny? Isn't that funny? Nothing's wasted. Say that out loud. Nothing's wasted. Boy Scouts, women's groups with their little fanny packs and men's groups with their little hammers and all the stuff. And I'm like, bring them all. Come on. We get to share the gospel with all of them because most everybody is lost. Listen to me. The wide path. And we have the church groups with all the matching shirts and all the things. And we get to share the gospel. And they think they're coming to save the world and they get saved. Ain't God something else. A lot of amazing content there from Amy. Uh, There was so much more that she shared uh, that you really don't want to miss out. So like I said before, her little uh, highlight there, make sure you find that friend. If you weren't at Conference 2022, find that friend that was there and plan a watch party uh, because those that attended Conference 2022 are going to have full access to the archives uh, after February 1st of 2023. Now, before we jump into this next highlight from Conference 2022, we want to go ahead and share a special message from Grace Story Ministries. Grace Story. It gives guys like me a chance to come into a safe environment where we can stretch ourselves, uh, expand our faith, um, give God an opportunity to work on some of the rough edges in our lives. Many of us as men have grown up in a culture of silence. We want to do better. We want to be better versions of ourselves. But the truth is we try to do that in secret without community, without support. If you're early on in life trying to figure out what does it mean to be a man in our culture, Grace Story is going to speak to that. If you're trying to figure out what it means to be a dad and how does how do you pass on that legacy to those that are coming after you. I'm a part of Grace Story because, well, it's a part of the, the legacy that I want to leave behind for my kids. Uh, I have three girls, uh, a lovely wife, and I understand that as much as I try and as many things that I do get right, 
there's also a lot of things that I'm not getting right. And a lot of that I dwell on. And I understand there's, there's a lot of guys just like me. And thankfully, there's a place like Grace Story where you can go and you can be fully known as much as you want to be known and also understood without judgment. Anything in my life that I really care about, that I want to see flourish, I, I make sure I'm intentional about it. If I want to be healthy, I need to be active and exercise. If I want to have a good relationship with my boys, I have to spend time with them. I have to get down on their level and make those connections. And I think that's the same thing in my spiritual walk, caring for my personal well-being. Something like Grace Story is so important for that because I am intentionally setting aside time to let God use that ministry to grow me, to stretch me, to help me um, holistically in my walk with Him. I'm at the stage of life where I have a, a six-year-old and a four-year-old, and I'm trying to figure out how do I do this whole parenting thing? And it's tricky. It reminds me of a, a quote by David Siemens. He wrote this really cool book called Healing Grace. And he says, our parents are the skylights through which we first view God. Man, I, I feel the weight of that sometimes and I need everything I can possibly get to help me do that well. It's not a place where you're gonna be stuck in some small group setting and they're gonna grill you about all your failures of the week, but it's a place where you're gonna go and there's gonna be guys stumbling forward in their journeys of restoration just like you. They'll have instructors come up after a storyteller has told a story that just connects with you and it resonates and you're like, yeah, I get that. And then right afterwards, that instructor comes up, their master's level or above, teaching you and saying, hey, what we just heard, man, that's a lot. So what are we gonna do about it? We're gonna learn about forgiveness, humility, what it means to be a spiritual leader, how we can be a better human being with healthy relationships. I think that's what is such a benefit about what Grace Story is doing, it's giving guys like me an opportunity to come together to worship but also to work on ourselves so that we can then go and help our, our kids, our families, our friends, um, as well as ourselves in our, in our personal journeys. You can either be a ghost or an ancestor in your children's lives. I don't want to be that figure that my kids look back on with questions and wondering and give them baggage that I didn't deal with myself. I want to be the one who stands up, turns around, faces the fire, so that I can present for my own kids as little baggage as possible and as much opportunity as possible for growth. I want to be part of that cloud of witnesses that they can look back on and say, I know what I've been given and it's been good. Truth is, God has designed us to be in community with other people. We don't have to figure it out on our own. Let's do that journey together. Grace Story is fun exciting and it's here to help as you make the next step on your journey towards wholeness. The journey of restoration is not something you should do alone or can do alone. Uh, healing happens in community. The only thing you have to do is get the courage to show up. And when you do show up, we'll be waiting because healing, healing happens here. All new Grace Story Men's Conference coming May 2023. Go to com for more. Now that's one I'm super excited about. The very first men's conference uh, coming out of Grace Story Ministries Legacy. Uh, so many great speakers uh, that you're not going to want to miss out on. Dr. John Trent, uh, Jared Lopes, uh, Ryan Waters is going to be speaking, Dr. Barber, uh, and so many more. So you're not going to want to miss out on that as it comes up in May 2023, that first weekend. 
So if you haven't signed up for that just yet or invested in yourself uh, to get to that uh, that place, go ahead and go over to GraceStoryMinistries.com. Click on the conference for men and go ahead and get your conference registration squared away. Now we have, uh, as promised, another conference highlight uh, from Grace Story Conference 2022. This one is Sonia Vernon. Uh, she shared wonderfully in her session. She's a favorite at Grace Story Conference. So many know her, so many love her. Um, and after you listen to this highlight, uh, I'm sure you're going to love her as well. So much great content in this highlight of Sonia Vernon from Grace Story Conference 2022. I also know that, that some of you have done some hard work today. Yesterday and today, um, I know the Lord was doing some deep work this morning, and uh, maybe you're tired from that. And uh, I want you to know, again, as, as you've heard permission before, uh, please don't feel pressured to stay if you're weary and well-doing. Uh, I understand. Jesus understands. We all understand. Uh, sorry. Why at that moment did... I got a uvula, you got a uvula, all God's children got a uvula. Excuse me, Barney Fife. Okay, now that I've quoted Barney Fife, we can have a good service. But I know that many of you have faced some things today. I also know for the rest of you, maybe you haven't, but we've been collecting tools today, tools for our toolbox, uh, tools to take home, tools to, to help us live flourishing lives because I think God has more for us. I know God has more for us than just making it. He wants us to flourish. And that's what this weekend has been about. So into this moment, wherever you are on the spectrum of emotion, hear the words of Jesus that Heidi already quoted today, but I'm going to quote it again. Come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. The title of his session is A Call to Rest. And my question for you today is, do you want rest? For just a few minutes, like I said, and I'm going to be aware of the time, we're going to talk about one of God's greatest gifts to us. Out of his great, good, deep heart, he calls us to rest. Now, before some of you start feeling guilty, because I know my audience, and I know already today you've heard things, you're like, well, I'm not doing that, and I'm not doing that, and I'm not doing that, and now she's going to say we have to stop in the middle of all this stuff I have to do. And there's going to be one more brick of guilt that you get to deal with. That's not what this is about. The point of the session is hope and good news. This session is permission to do what God has created you to do already. It's one more example of the fact that God, what God calls us to, he equips us for, and it is the very thing that will make us flourish. This topic of rest is, is I was so excited, not necessarily they asked me to speak, but if I had a topic to speak on, it was going to be this topic. Because it's a journey that I've been on uh, for the last several, more than years than I would like to talk about. Because I'm getting old, so there you have it. 
I, I have always wanted to do things right. I think I came out of the womb trying to do things like the right way. Um, and even more importantly, I've wanted people to see me doing things right. I grew up in a home where I was often in front of people. You know, back in the day before we had handheld mics and all the fancy stuff, we would go to camp meetings and sing, and we would be at the podium, and I would be standing on a chair between my parents, three, four years old, however old it was. And so I, it was paramount that I did the right thing. Now, I want to make something very clear. I am not throwing my parents under the bus here. They did a phenomenal job of raising my brother and raising me in the spotlight. But the spotlight comes with inherent pitfalls. One is the awareness that people are watching nearly all the time. And this can lead to a duplicitous life where you have your upfront life and your at-home life. But thank God my parents focused on us being genuine. In fact, they, they were not gonna put us up front if we were living like the devil behind the scenes. So my, my dad especially was so uh, serious that we were authentic and real in our ministry, and I deeply appreciate that. But another pitfall can be that it leads to extreme conscientiousness and paranoia, and that's where I landed. My parents spent hours, I mean, God bless them, there's going to be a Sonya star on their crowns hours with me, assuring me of God's love, praying with me, doing damage control for, for, from preaching maybe that I heard that, that was harmful. But I still, in the dark night of my soul, face some of those messages. When I went to nursing school, I had to be the best. Philippians 2.15 became, and still is, I believe, a life verse but it particularly, I went to a university, and so I, would, I took with me the verse, so that you may be blameless and pure, children of God without fault in a warped and crooked generation, and then you will shine among them like stars in the sky. It was my job to shine, and shine I would. I worked, and I worked to be the best that I could be. I graduated at the top of my class and had opportunities to shine for Jesus as well because you see, I wasn't just trying to be the best for myself, I also had to make Jesus look good, which I actually think is important. I think it matters how we operate in the world because we reflect on our savior. When I worked as a nurse, I went the extra mile to make sure my patients had good care and that other nurses liked and respected me my reputation mattered. And like I said, what people thought of Jesus mattered. When God called me to GBS as the Dean of Women in the fall of 2000, I was very reluctant to go because, as I said, I wanted to be the best at everything, and I knew nothing about being a Dean of Women. I had never lived in a dorm. I had been to one year of Bible college and lived at home. I was completely ignorant. But I knew God wanted me there. And so I went, determined to be the best dean of women I could be, maybe the best dean of women that there ever was. 
that's what I was going to be. My first year was a huge learning curve. You can ask some people here. <laughs> but I found out after a while that it was such a good fit for my personality, and I, I got kind of good at it. I, I, if, if, I have one of my oldest and dearest friends here, and she, Tara, could absolutely tell you that this is the truth. If I'm going to do something, I'm going to do something. Not half-heartedly, I'm going to do it. So I was in the office all the time. Mornings, afternoons, evenings. I walked the halls, it lights out. Thank God that's over with. I was <laughs> everywhere all the time. I was the one who cleaned up the messes. My RAs had too much to do. They were in school. This was my job. I would do the things. And then three years later, the bottom fell out. At 30 years of age, my heart attacked me. Literally. And after my heart attack, I couldn't keep the schedule. I didn't know what to do with myself. I was often flat on my back, and other people had to do my job. I was defective, and I couldn't fix it. I began to crack emotionally. My emotions were all over the page. One day, I was conquering the world. And the next day, I was on my living room floor, sure I was going to hell. People had warned me, faithful people had warned me about depression, post-heart attack, but they didn't know me. I knew what to expect. I was the exception. I was ready, and I was going to conquer this thing. But I wasn't the exception, and I wasn't ready, and I didn't conquer this thing. One day, my assistant dean looked me in the eye and kindly said, you need help. <laughs> and she was absolutely right. And so I went to see Mr. Richard Miles, my mentor, who also has a degree in counseling. And I went to his office one night, and I just poured it all out there. My frustration, my fear, my inability to do what I wanted to do. And he spoke truth into my life. He spoke to me about rest and about letting people help me and about my pride. And I listened. There's one thing I'm really good at. And that's when somebody holds up a mirror, I take it. I listen. I don't deny it. I mean, I like it, I may cry, but I don't deny it. And I took the truth, and with the help of Jesus and others, I began to change. My journey wasn't over. There would be more years of multiple angioplasties, stents, cardiac caths, and finally an open-heart surgery. There would be the development of panic attacks and late-night phone calls to my parents. There would be crippling anxiety. But there would also be a journey of healing, appropriate medications, and a journey of learning to rest. In Isaiah ch chapter 30, verse 15, there is a, a poignant verse. The prophet says, For thus says the Lord God, the Holy One of Israel, in returning and rest, 
you'll be saved. In quietness and trust shall be your strength. But you were unwilling. Why would anyone anyone be unwilling to rest? Frankly, rest sounds good. But it can also be risky, depending on the way we view the world. Stopping to rest puts my place into the world in correct perspective. It humbles me. It reminds me I'm not self-sufficient. I'm not superwoman. I can't do all the things. It increases my dependence on God and on others. Rest makes me vulnerable. But in that vulnerability, I find something beautiful. In the First Testament, God mandated rest for his people. In fact, he put it in the Ten Commandments. He gave them a Sabbath. Every seven days, they were to rest. Seriously, rest. And then every 50 years, even the land got rest in the year of Jubilee. And the slaves were freed, and property was returned. It was a community, nationwide, rest. Rest is God's idea. It's not something we just made up because we got tired. The God who created us, and we've already heard this this weekend, knows how our bodies and our minds work, and he knows we need to rest. (laughs) He also knows we would be really bad at it on our own. How many of you know three-year-olds that just hate to take naps? And you know your kids, and they are acting a fool, and they need the nap, and they scream and cry and fight. Who else does that? Who else? So he built it into his laws to help us because he's good, and he's kind, and he knows what we need, and still we chafe, and we turn it into a burden, and we turn it into a legalistic checklist, and we lose the joy of his good gift. God calls us to bodily rest. When our bodies are getting appropriate rest, our brains are sharper, our mood is better, Our hearts are healthier. Our blood sugar is steadier. We fight germs better. That we have better weight control. Thank you, Jesus. (laughs) All of these are scientific benefits to rest. Now, I know, I know my audience. And I know that all of you would love to get eight hours sleep. But some of you kiss that goodbye when you pop that baby out. You know that's not going to happen again for a while. But there are other ways that we can rest our bodies. In the middle of something, we can change our body position, we can take a short break, we can do something fun or energizing, we can reach out to a friend for a good conversation. There are many ways that we can rest our mind and body, even if we can't get those coveted eight hours of sleep. And because we tend to be terrible at balance, hmm, maybe you're not but I am. I also want to remind us of what rest is not. Rest is not denial. 
Rest is not living in a world where I act like my problems don't exist. Okay? I still have problems, but I can take a little break. I can rest. Rest is not escapism. It's not mindless activity to get away from addressing my issues. No, no, no. Don't ever try to put rest and, and just make it a way to escape because you, you know, if you've dealt with your stuff, just acting like it isn't there isn't going to work. Rest is not laziness. It's not selfish behavior that never wants to put myself out for someone else. And it doesn't necessarily mean doing nothing. Rest might mean exercise, or reading a good book, or tackling a fun project. It is things that rejuvenate my spirit. So what is rest? These are informal, but I hope there's some things that will be helpful. Rest is being a good steward of the body God has given me. Rest is setting wise boundaries, even if that means I can't be the best at everything. Even if I can't be that coveted go-to person. Even if that means using the word no, that complete sentence that Ryan just talked about. Using that word no appropriately. Rest is remembering that my worth does not come from my performance, but from the God whose image I bear. I don't need to try to prove anything by my furious activity. Rest releases me to be me. Rest is the deep sigh of my soul that I am safe to live authentically, to truly be the person God has created me to be, to live without the desperate need to prove myself to everybody. Oh, man, she, there was so much packed in there, lots of stuff. To, I wish I could just share the entire episode with everyone. Um, but if you want to listen to that whole uh, session with Sonia Vernon, there's so much more there. Again, if you were at Grace Story Conference and you paid your way there uh, with your uh, ticket, you get access after February 1st of this year to the full archives. If you weren't there and you want to get all, all of this content, Make sure you find someone, a friend who was there, and plan a watch party for some time in February. Get together and and get that content. All right. That is all we have time for today. Thank you so much for listening. If you're listening on Apple Podcasts, on the app there, give us a follow, tap a five-star rating for us, and drop a review. If you're listening on Spotify, give us a follow and hit that notification bell so you never miss an episode. Like I say every time, there is no us without you. So get engaged, continue on your journey of restoration, and we'll see you in two weeks for another episode. Until then, we'll be praying for you on your journey of restoration.